You're listening to a sermon from Pasco Vale Church of Christ. To hear more of our teaching or to find out about the church, please visit our website, pvcc.org.au. I want this morning to uh, take you on a journey. Uh, it, I, it happened in the compartment of a train. Uh, we were starting on a 12-hour journey and uh, there's that awkward bit where the other people in the compartment come in and stow their luggage away and you're sitting there wondering, oh, you know, are these people going to talk non-stop or are they not going to say anything for 12 hours or they're going to be some sort of political activist or whatever and uh, are going to harangue me the whole trip about something or other. Well, we all got stowed away and the train pulled out of the station and the guy next to me turned to me and said, what do you Christians believe about salvation? Uh, what a music to our ears when we hear that, isn't it? And uh, I didn't have to sit there wondering, Lord, is this why you've brought me to the other side of the earth? Uh, I knew straight away this is a God-given moment. And we had a great conversation uh, talking about Jesus, why he had to come and die and so on. The guy was a Muslim. Now it's 39 years since I had that conversation and nobody since then has asked me that question. <laughs> I wish they had. But I tell you what, I've had heaps and heaps of really similar conversations with people where it's come up in other ways or I've actually asked a question that's triggered that kind of a discussion. Uh, so what we um, want to talk about over these next four weeks is how we share our faith. Uh, and this is quite a practical series. So next week's Easter, obviously, and then the three weeks after that, uh, we will be, the, the sermons will be about sharing your faith. Uh, now, you will know from your church vision uh, that it's about glorifying God. That's a great statement, isn't it? So much in there. But it's also about share the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, I think, if you're like me, this is something you have difficulty with. Uh, that it's, it's actually, I don't know, there's so many things that seem to stop us from doing it, including our own reticence. Uh, so over these next four messages, the first one we're going to talk about, sorry, the four messages are our message, our prayer, our conduct and our speech. So it's all going to be from this passage in Colossians. We'll be using other passages as well. But today we're focusing on our message. And this is really, really important. You can be the best communicator in the world, the most persuasive person. But if your message is not right, you're wasting your time. In fact, it's worse than that. You're actually telling people the wrong thing. Um, so this is really, really important to get right. And Paul helps us here, actually, in this passage about... What, what, is, what, what is it about this message that we need to get right? So there are three things, three points on your outline. Firstly, in verse 3, it's God's word. So here's Paul, he's in prison as we know, and he says, pray for us also, so we'll be talking about prayer next time, that God may open to us a door for the word. It's an amazing prayer, isn't it, actually? You're locked in prison. Surely you'd be wanting the prison door to be open. Uh, <laughs> but no. <laughs> he wants a door to open for the word. Actually, he doesn't care whether he's in prison or out. 
He wants the message of God to get out there. Now, what does, what does it mean the, 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 when we use this, the word, what does he mean? Well, the best place to go to find that out is to look earlier in the letter and see what he, if he uses this. You can do this quite simply, Bible Gateway, just punch in word, Colossians, and it'll show you uh, that it's used um, earlier. So as I said, Paul's writing this from prison. Uh, he's uh, writing to a church in Colossae, which is in modern-day Turkey. Um, now, the thing that he wants to see advanced is the word, the word. So he explains what this word is right up front, actually, in chapter 1. He says to the Colossians, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. So when he uses the word, that that door will be open for the word, what does he mean in, in Colossians 4? He means the truth of God, the gospel. The plain facts about Jesus Christ and how that applies to us. So these people, the Colossians, who he's writing to, have been impacted by this word. It's changed their lives. And, and uh, Paul says it's a word of truth. And that's a great relief, isn't it, in a world that we're, we're so confused. We don't even know what a man and a woman is anymore. And we are so confused. Let alone the big realities of life, you know, how did we get here? Why are we here? Is there a purpose to our existence? We are totally confused. But here's Paul saying, here's the truth. It's in the gospel of Jesus. It's the word of truth. Uh, it tells us who's running the show. It tells us why things are the way they are, why the world's in such a mess. It tells us what God's done about that and how we can be part of that and so on. It's amazing good news. Actually, we usually translate it good news, don't we? You know, that's in your, in your vision statement, which is really good. But actually, the word gospel in the, in the New Testament simply means news. And whether it's good news or bad news depends on how you respond to it. If you respond to it and receive the gift of eternal life, that's great news. If you don't, it's actually bad news. It means that you're going to pay for your sins forever. Uh, so what we're about in sharing this is getting this news out. Um, and Paul says this is the kind of thing that's bearing fruit throughout the whole world, he says at the end of that passage in Colossians 1. Uh, and it is. People have been changed by this message throughout the last 2,000 years. Paul himself, he was a murderer. <laughs> and now he's promoting, he's, he's willing to risk his life for the sake of this message. I remember uh, not long after I finished uni, I went to Papua New Guinea. And uh, I was uh, on a mission station in, in the southern highlands of Papua New Guinea, where 10 years before... Uh, that people had been cannibals. I, I spoke with people who had eaten human flesh. And these people lived in total fear of each other. That someone from over the hill was going to come over and, and kill them and eat them. And, and actually it's reflected in the way they lived. Uh, if, I don't know if you've been to Papua New Guinea, but in, uh, they, uh, yesteryear they lived in longhouses. And, the reason, and the, so the whole community would live in a huge house. And it wasn't because they, you know, wanted, you wanted to be with each other. It was out of fear. So they all got together at night and they would have guards on the door who would alert them if somebody was coming. And all the women slept on platforms at the back and the men were 
in the, in the front so they could rush out and kill whoever was coming. They lived in perpetual fear. And then the gospel came. Papua New Guinea man from the lowlands pastor went in there and told him the gospel. I met this guy. Such a humble, quiet kind of bloke. And, you know, he, but, and, and God worked. The door for the message was open. And society was transformed. People were living in peace. They lived in family units. They weren't scared of each other anymore. Incredible. And this, Paul says this message is explosive. It changes, uh, changes people, changes society. A couple of other places he uses uh, the word. Uh, in chapter 1, verse 25, he's, it's called the word of God. And then in chapter 3, verse 16, it's called the word of Christ. So if you summarise all that, it's a message from God, it's from Christ, it's the truth, and it's good news if you receive it. So it's the word. Secondly, it's about Christ in verse 3. He says that he might declare the mystery of Christ. Uh, <clears throat> now, what is this about? Uh, Paul used this word quite a bit, actually, calling it a mystery. And normally we think of a mystery as something that, well, nobody can work it out, really. Or maybe one or two really smart people can. Uh, and, and, but Paul uses this word because... Previously, actually, the way this way of being saved was not known, so it was a mystery. But when Jesus came along, the mystery is fully revealed. Uh, so he says that in in, uh, um, in verse two that the hearts may sorry this is in chapter two verses two and three, their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the foot riches of the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery which is Christ, uh, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So this mystery is Jesus himself. So it's something that was previously hidden, but it, now it's been revealed. And not just to these people, uh, but to everyone. The end of Romans uh, Paul says this in chapter 16, verse 25. He says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel, the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, right before Jesus came along, but now has been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. So this mystery is for everybody. That's why Jesus says to his disciples, go and disciple the nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit and so on. So this mystery uh, is for everybody and it's about Jesus. Uh, Palm Sunday reminds us of that, doesn't it? So people welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem... They weren't promoting themselves or the temple or anything else. What were they promoting and welcoming? Jesus. Uh, so this is really, really important for us because I think sometimes we think we're sharing the good news when we're actually not. You know, we're telling people about our church or we're telling people how God has blessed us. Uh, and sometimes Jesus doesn't get a mention. I, I get really surprised sometimes when somebody gives their testimony. They don't mention Jesus. I think, no, that's not right. This, the good news is about Jesus. It's the truth, it's the word of the gospel and so on. 
It's not about how, you know, you prayed and God gave you more money or better health or whatever, got you through your exams. That's good stuff that God's done, but it's actually not the essence of the gospel. The gospel's not about me, it's about Jesus. And of course, that's the transaction that happens, isn't it? The transformation that happens when we become Christians. Life is no longer about us. We're not at the centre of it. But Jesus is at the centre of it. That's the switch that's happened as the gospel's taken effect. Now, not only is this theologically correct, <laughs> but it's, it makes sense culturally and communication-wise. So the surveys that you do of people's attitudes uh, towards church, towards Jesus, towards different things, uh, they consistently come up with church is people have a low view of church now every week there's a different scandal out there some pastor's done the wrong thing or someone's nicked off with the money or there's just child abuse happening or whatever but surprising or not surprisingly really because <laughs> jesus is so good people actually have a really positive view of jesus so if we talk about jesus they're actually more likely to listen than if you talk about your church or yourself uh, so this is really important for us to get that we we the the message that we give people that Jesus is at the centre of it. So it's the words, God's word. It's a message about Jesus, and thirdly, it's a message of grace. In verse six, Paul says, "Let your speech always be gracious." Now we're going to go a lot more more into this in the in the um, third talk and the last talk. Uh, but the reason that Paul gives for speaking graciously is that this is a message of grace that we are giving people. It's about how people, sinful people, can be forgiven and come into God's family. Uh, Spurgeon, the famous preacher, said um, to when he was training preachers, he said, uh, when you speak of heaven, let your face light up. He said, but when you speak of hell, well, your ordinary face will do. Um, and <laughs> so when we are giving people the, the, the message of the gospel, it's a message of grace. Uh, so we need to be aware of that. We don't, we don't do it harshly or, and, and, and in a way that thinks, well, okay, you're talking about Jesus forgiving people, but it sounds like you're pretty unforgiving. Um, we, we need to give it in such a way that it backs up the that this is a message of grace. Again, back to Colossians 1 verse 6, uh, Paul says, Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. So what did the Colossians understood? The grace of God. Paul was in no doubt that this message was uh, the good news of God's truth, but it's about the grace of God. It's not a message about how you can get to heaven if you're good enough or how you can be a better man or woman, husband, wife or all, whatever. It's about how people who've done the wrong thing, uh, people who have sinned, uh, can come into a relationship with God by the grace and the mercy of God, not by our own works. So we need to keep that front and centre. Now in verse 4, Paul says that he asked them to pray that he'll uh, proclaim this message clearly, that I'll make it clear as I should. That's interesting. It's amazing, actually, that the Apostle Paul, who for 25 years now has been an evangelist, 
He's seen thousands of people come to Christ. He's planted churches. And he's now got to the centre of the Roman Empire, the city of Rome itself. That's where he's imprisoned. And he's saying, please pray that I'll present this message clearly. Now, why is that? He's a super experienced evangelist. (laughs) Well, he knows actually, doesn't he, that uh, like we do too, it's easy actually to not proclaim this message clearly, uh, to give it to people in a fuzzy kind of way or to leave bits of it out. We're so tempted with that, aren't we? You know, there's some churches who won't talk about sin anymore because you know, people don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear about repentance. So let's just, you know, downplay that or just write it out of the message. <laughs> we don't have that right. This is why Paul's saying it that God would open a door for the message, his message, the word of truth, the gospel. Uh, So here Paul is saying he's aware that he himself could water this message down and he's praying that he'll have clarity, he'll proclaim it clearly so that people will hear it clearly uh, and understand. He knows that the glory of God's at stake here. If people don't hear this message and respond to the right message, then nothing's going to happen. Well, how do we make the message clear? And here's where I want to get a bit practical uh, because I think this is really, really important. The first thing for each of us is, uh, if you're a Christian, to have a clear picture in your mind, a clear outline in your mind of the good news of the gospel. Uh, That's why uh, we handed out these things this morning. Now, I think you actually need to have this, I need to have this, Uh, in my head so if someone turns to me and says what do you Christians believe about salvation might be another 39 years before that happens but I need to be able to tell them clearly I can't be sitting there like a goldfish you know I need to be able to say yeah well here's what it's all about mate you know and and tell them and this is the duty of every Christian if we're going to share the good news we need to be clear about it ourselves and be able to clearly communicate it. Now what I want to say is this, this is really important for all of us to listen to this. Uh, if, if you're not a Christian yet, you need to hear this message and you need to respond to it. If you are a Christian and you have no desire to share this message, you need to hear it even more. Because actually if you don't have a desire to share this, what it means is you haven't got hold of it. This is the kind of message that you can't keep quiet, you know. People who buy the brand new iPhone, they want to tell everyone what it can do, don't they? That's just a phone. <laughs> but but we've, uh, we've got the greatest news ever. And uh, it's a news that must be shared. Okay, I want to give you this outline. I actually have several outlines in my head for different situations, but I think this one's pretty sort of basic and clear. Uh, so it's God, us, God. What if I don't? What if I do? That's pretty easy to remember, isn't it? God, us, God. What if I don't? What if I do? Let's go through it quickly. Firstly, God is our loving creator. He made us for a relationship with him now and forever. Uh, And he loves us and he created this world for us to enjoy. However, us, we, we've all ignored God. And uh, we've treated him as if he doesn't exist. And we've offended God and angered him by rejecting him and 
living for ourselves. And God warns us that the punishment for that uh, is eternal separation from him. But God, right, God, us, God, but God is loving and merciful because of his great love for us. He realised we couldn't do anything about that scenario. We couldn't save ourselves. So he sent Jesus uh, to be the perfect man, to live the perfect life uh, and to die the death that we deserve uh, so that we could come back to God. We could have forgiveness because of what he's done, not because of what we do. Uh, and he calls on us to turn back to him, to abandon going our own way and to go Jesus' way. What if I don't? What if I don't turn back? What if I don't accept this gift of eternal life? Well, there's only one possible way that can unfold and that is that I pay for my own sins. And I will have to answer for every one of them. If I don't accept what Jesus did to forgive my sins, then I will have to bear responsibility for them. What if I do receive that? What if I do accept what Jesus did for me? Well, God accepts me as his child. He forgives me. He gives me his spirit so that I can live for G with Jesus as my Lord and my ruler uh, in the relationship that was intended from the beginning. So that's fairly simple and straightforward, isn't it? It's all there in front of you. If you commit it to memory. Now, you, you, don't, you may not get to tell your friend all of this in one go. Um, that's okay. You might only be able to get to tell them one bit of that. Uh, that's okay. On average, people take five years uh, from the time that they first meet a Christian to the time that they become part of a church. So that, that's average, right? Some people receive it that day and put their hand up and get baptised and so on. But in, in our culture, it takes about five years and they, generally speaking, on average, they have to meet nine other Christians. So don't think it all depends on you. God will bring other people into their lives and we should be praying for that to happen. Um, now, we need to do this in our personal life, I think, go out and talk with people, talk with our neighbours and so on. Uh, but also there are opportunities to do it in church life, aren't there? In the outreach activities of the church, I know you're still getting them up and running again. Uh, but, you know, if, you, if, if you're going to get the English stuff going again and the kids' ministries and things like that, there are opportunities there to share this message. If you have it clearly in your head and this is what you're going to communicate, it's great opportunities. Um, Here's a few things that I do. One of them is just sit somewhere in your community. Where I live, I live out in Sunbury now, where I live within about 200 metres of our house, there's one of these little shopping centres like you've got just here, uh, where people go and sit in the sun, have a coffee and they chat. There's a little table there, it's got three chairs, three seats. I just go and sit there. And I did this when I was doing my rehab for my hip operation. Every day I had conversations with people and we talked about Jesus. Just sitting there, people come by, oh, g'day mate, I haven't seen you here before. They would start the conversation. <laughs> and uh, and I say, yeah, what are you doing? I'm having a coffee, oh, what, you want to join me? 
we chit chat away and then sooner or later there will be some opportunity for me to talk with them uh, about Jesus. That's a fairly simple thing you can do. Look for that place in your community where, where people uh, go and sit or a coffee shop or whatever it is. Um, in the city, we've got a, on Swanston Street, there's a councillor put a fairly long bench there at the front of the church. So I sometimes just go and sit there. Sooner or later, if it's especially on a sunny day, someone comes and sits next to me or sits on the bench. And I say, oh, g'day. You're visiting Melbourne. Where do you get to start talking? And, and Actually, I do mention the church there because I say, oh, I'm, I'm uh, part of this church here. And uh, I remember a conversation I had a couple of Easter's ago with a guy who came and sat next to me. And it was just before Easter. I think it was the Sunday before Easter. This Sunday, actually. And uh, I said to him, what are you doing for Easter? And uh, he said, oh, we were doing this and that and the kids are coming over and whatever. And I, I said, oh. I said, um, do you know what Easter's about? And seriously, this guy's a bit older than me and he was Caucasian. He hadn't dropped in from Saudi Arabia or anywhere. And he scratched his head for a good few minutes he said, oh, he said, I used to know, but I've forgotten. <laughs> and I, I said, would you like me to tell you? He said, yeah. So I told him, Good Friday, you know, Jesus died on the cross. And the reason he died was because we needed that. We needed his sacrifice. And then Easter Sunday we celebrate that he rose from the dead. At the end he said, oh, thanks for telling me that, reminding me. I do remember now. And so... <laughs> Just arose out of a simple... Con- it tells you something, doesn't it? We are so bad at getting the gospel out there that there are people like that out there who don't even know what Easter's about. So I, mean, I think this is really important and we need to have... Yeah, that stuff that's on the screen there. You can use this. Have this, have this one of these ready. and you, at, at the end of it, if it's appropriate, say, look, can I leave this with you? It's, it's a printed version of what I've just told you and on the back there's a way that tells you how you can respond. And if you want to talk more about that, I'm happy to chat with you about it. Or we use a book called The Essential Jesus, Gospel of Luke, which has a gospel outline in the back of it, the two ways to live one. Um, The other thing, that book there um, is well worth reading. It's written by Sam Chan. Uh, He's a very keen evangelist. Um, But he does heaps of stuff in his community. And it's well worth reading because I've learned so much from it. Uh, one of the things he says is be, become a pastor in your community. And he doesn't mean go and get ordained. and, you know. What he means is have that kind of relationship with your neighbours that if they're in need, go and care for them. And I'm sure you're doing this already. And, and, and take them a meal. And you know, we, one of our neighbours died recently of cancer and we had huge opportunities to talk with her as she was in hospital and so on. If you, if you venture out into your neighbourhood, as you probably already have done, you know that there are people with massive needs who are really, really lonely and, and just say, well, come round and have a coffee, you know? And you chat and then say, here's a way of starting. Do you know much about Jesus? I'm a follower of Jesus. Do you know much about him? And if they say, oh, yeah, no, a little bit. You want to know more? Tell them. Another thing that I found useful is you know, Australians are great whingers, aren't we? You know, we're always whinging about the government and this and that. 
and uh, one thing I've used is when people are whinging and saying, oh, this and that and the other and the kids are playing up on me and whatever, I just say to them, yeah, that sounds really bad. Why do you think the world's like this? And usually they say, oh, I don't know, it's Dan Andrews' fault or ScoMo or, you know, the government should fix it. Um, I say, look, actually... In the Bible, God's told us why, why it's like this. And really it's because we have declared ourselves independent of God and we've gone our own way and we've, we've left him out of the equation. And th- you know, it's not just a problem out there, it's a problem in here too. And you know what? God's done something about that. He sent Jesus to die on the cross so that we could be forgiven. And so that we could have new life and we could live in right relationship with him and live with Jesus directing our lives. Now you see what's happened in that conversation? I've told them God's in charge of the world. He created this relationship with himself that we've messed it up and that God's done something about it, that Jesus has come. I've, I've told him this. I haven't yet told him how to respond, what's going to happen if he doesn't respond. So that's a fairly simple way of just inserting the gospel into a conversation. And it's fairly easy to do. Wherever you go, Australians are whinging. And you can, you can just ask them, what's wrong with it? When, okay, I'm, I'm starting to ramble a bit here, but um, I think this is, uh, this is really important. Sam Chan talks about coffee, dinner, gospel. So if you're getting to know somebody, he talks about the work situation. Uh, you, you say to somebody, oh, let's have a coffee. I'll go and buy you one and, and let's have a coffee uh, with our lunch or whatever and just get to know them a bit and then invite them around for dinner. Say, so come around and have dinner at our place. Now what he does actually is he, when he invites them, he, he, he says to them, do you mind if I invite some other people? We have dinner parties at our place and I, I've got some friends who I, I want to catch up with and I think you'll get on with them. So he actually looks around his church and says, I'm having a, I'm having a dinner with a mate from work and I reckon you guys will get on with him. And so he has them all around, the barbecue or something like that, and it's fairly laid back. And all of a sudden this person is meeting a room full of Christians. And so all of a sudden, you're not the weird guy in the room. Uh, There's a whole bunch of weird people to that person. And they think, actually these people if they're reasonably nice, and pick the nice ones, <laughs> if, they're, if they're reasonably nice, they say, oh, okay, these people are really nice people. What's the common factor here? Oh, they're all Christians. And suddenly they're thinking more positively about the gospel. So I think they, those kind of things are important. Just to finish on, next week is Easter Sunday, right? So it's a massive opportunity for us to share this good news over the next week. Very easy to strike up a conversation with people. What are you doing for Easter? Oh, this or that. Well, maybe they ask you, what are you doing for Easter? Now, you can answer that in a number of ways. You know, oh, we're having the grandkids over and we're going to have an Easter egg hunt or whatever. Um, uh, or, or you can pluck up courage and say, well, I'm going to church. Um, that's usually a conversation stopper. But why don't you tell them why you're going to church? and say, actually, at Easter time, I really like to take some time to think about 
what Jesus has done for me. Because I reckon what he did on the first Good Friday was just fantastic. And I want to take time to think it through again. So I'm going to do that with a bunch of other people at church. And I, yeah, because I, I just want to meditate on that and I want to thank him. It's such a momentous thing he's done for me. And actually, you'd be welcome to come too because it's open for everybody. And see what you've done there. You've told him about Jesus and what Jesus has done. You haven't told him. <laughs> you told him a bit about church. So this next week, we're all going to get opportunities to do that. Uh, Let's grab them with both hands uh, for the glory of Jesus. Let's um, pray and ask for God's help because uh, we definitely need it. Thank you, our Lord and God, uh, that you are the ruler of the world, that you created us for relationship with you. Uh, Lord, we're sorry that we've left you out of the equation that we are so self-centred and we want our own way so often. We thank you so much for sending Jesus to die so that we could actually be freed from that kind of slavery to our own selfish desires and, uh, and to the results of our sinfulness. Thank you for the forgiveness that Jesus brings. Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, that all of us will know that we have received this gift, this forgiveness been washed clean by Jesus and Lord help us give us courage all that we need Lord to be able to take this message and to the people you bring across our path this week uh, so that they might hear that they might understand this revealed mystery and put their trust in Jesus and Lord we pray you would guide and direct and help us as we seek to do that Uh, in this coming week, for the sake of Jesus our Lord. Amen.